Good evening, guys. My name is Philip, and I'm a recovered heroin addict and alcoholic. Um, okay. Um, so just to qualify, first, uh, I'll share a little bit about how I ended up in Southern California in an AA room um, with you guys. Uh, originally, I am from Hawaii, but I lived in Colorado, grew up in Colorado. Um, and my opioid addiction uh, started with... Um, uh started started with uh, a sprained ankle uh during football and i smoked some pot and ate some ramen and i read the book there's this he talks about this thing when he says i have arrived and i i had felt this like peace ease and contentment that i had never experienced before man and it was fucking watching the west side story too it was weird but um it was it was so good. It was so good. I felt like my mother had wrapped her arms around me with a blanket and she was holding me and she told me that she loved me and that I was so important to her. And it felt like just this fucking amazing experience of like relief from the pain and anxiety that I had constantly been living in since I was probably like since my pubescent age, like 12 to 13 years old. Um, and that was just the start, man. I did it with cannabis. I did it with alcohol. I'm a real alcoholic. Um, I like crack. I like cocaine. I like meth. Um, I'm really not picky. I'm really not picky. Homeboy, dude, I'm really glad I got cleaned up for you. You know, right? So you get it, you know? Um, and it's, it's fucking scary, man. Um, I was sobriety date of September 15th, 2018. And um, how I got here was. I was coming off of a really heavy acid trip. I'd been up for about 72 hours after doing meth and I'm sitting outside with my dad. I just broke my arm. I'm sitting outside with my dad and I'm crying to him and I'm asking him to help me, to allow me to kill myself in the home in hopes that I don't cause harm to myself or the family further in the future. And I'm explaining to him that in certain parts of Europe, they'll do assisted suicide for people with mental health issues. Or if you could let me do it in the home as well, just through an overdose, that'd be great. Um, because I wanted to relieve him of the suffering now rather than down the road, you know, when I drive my car nodding off the road and kill a family or fucking do something even worse. Um, and he's sitting there and he's crying and he's looking at me. He's like, dude, I don't know what to fucking do. And I'm like, dad, I don't know what to fucking do. And I'm scared. Um, and I had been with this girl for seven years. She broke up with me and I tried and I just couldn't figure it out. And, and Ian talks about the obsession, you know, he, and he gives a really good definition of, of what it is. And it's this, this feeling on the inside that I want to stop so bad. I want to be free of this so fucking bad. Um, but as soon as I wake up, it's the first thing I think about. And as I nod out for the next four hours, it's the last thing I'm thinking about how I'm going to get it again. Um, and it's just so elusive because even now, as I think about it, I can't even describe what it feels like. Right. I can't even really put my finger on why is it that I chase this to the ends of the earth. I will fuck anybody over, harm anyone I have to in order to stay well for the day. And I can't fucking understand why it is. Um, and I'm beat, man. I'm beat. I'm like going to college. I got a job. Like I'm fucking considering myself. I'm a functioning addict, man. You're like I'm, I'm pretty fucking good. And yet here I am baiting my dad to let me kill myself in the house with his knowledge in order to free myself of suffering because I'm fucking selfish.
because I don't give a fuck about anybody else about except for how hard I'm hurting, right? And, and even talks about how we do all these good deeds and we might seem like humble and like, you know, out there offering hands. But like what I was really doing was I was using that as an excuse to escape because um, I, I can't sit in my skin. I can't sit with myself. I can't, I'm not comfortable with who I am. And I kind of just said that earlier um, that happened right around when I became like pubescent age, 13. So I don't know what to do. I'm fucked. I've never been to treatment. I've tried a couple of times and my parents fly me out to Southern California in hopes that treatment is going to be the answer for me. Um, I never really attempted it. I've been to AA once or twice. They said, God, I split. I'm like, not about that. Um, and I just wasn't interested in what they had to offer. So I go to treatment and um, I actually meet my sponsor, Eric there. Um, and he talked and, you know, he's this, and he was a tech at the time. He wasn't a group facilitator, case manager, anything like that. And he would talk to me and those conversations is what kept me around in, in the treatment center. And here's the thing is I went to treatment guys, not downing treatment. I learned my triggers. I learned my coping mechanisms. I was properly detoxed off of my heroin via Subutex, okay? And I was given these controlled environments where I fucking flourished in and I did really fucking good, right? But as Ian was describing earlier, I didn't have that thing to protect me from the obsession, right? I, I, I didn't have the capability that when, when someone came across with that bit of dope to say no. So I'm sitting in sober living and I get high and it's probably like 35 days sober at the time. And I'm thoroughly confused because this was supposed to be, this was supposed to be it. How the fuck did I get high in a controlled environment? After I gone to fucking six hours, a group of days for 30 fucking days, how am I sitting here high as fuck hiding in the garage, like hiding in the garage, like tucked up behind like this <laughs> off of a, a, a Dr. Pepper can I ripped open because the CVS closed hours before I picked up and I'm smoking off of a Dr. Pepper can sucking up burning paint. And I'm like, how the fuck did I do this? And I'm here in Southern California. And then I get this fear, like I'm fucked. I'm going to get kicked out of my sober living. I'm going to end up a street junkie in California. And for a moment, there was a peace and ease in my mind, knowing like how Ian said that I was going to die young, that this is where, this is where my life was going to lead me to. I was going to be fucking 500 miles from home, just sitting in California, getting high, you know, watching dudes down beach boulevard, walking like this fucking digging in trash cans. You know what I mean? Like that was going to be my life. Um, and at least I knew what to expect, you know, um, cause the life I have today isn't the life I thought I wanted. Um, I they, they bust us in and out of these fucking AA and a meetings. I watched dudes bump smokes off of people, drink free coffee and had a good time, you know? And, um, and I did that too. And it was really fun for the first like 30, 40 meetings. And, uh, eventually I got kind of sick of listening to people and, uh, I got frustrated because I see all my friends and they're content and they're happy. They're, they have their sponsors and they're doing their steps and they're participating and they're being of service and they're volunteering. And I'm like, fuck, why is this so easy for you guys? Why can't I do it too without the fucking God AA shit? Um, and like I said, I met Eric. Well, the way he spoke about God, the program and stuff like that, I asked him for help and he sponsored me. And I, at first, oh, actually, no, that's not true. That's not true. I met another guy and I got up to my fourth step. His name is Jason Kirby. Oh, I probably should have said his whole name, but it's my, my bad, my bad. But he's big up in Northern California, in the Northern Orange County. And he like was awesome. And I hung out with him until my fourth step. And then I ghosted him. 
as I couldn't do it. And it was like, it just wasn't working. Like he wasn't the right sponsor for me. Like, um, his house was really far from mine. So the drive 15 minutes away was like really inconvenient. Um, and then I fucking avoided how hall for like six months. So I would never have to run across, him, you know, and, uh, it's because I didn't want to do my fifth step. Right. I didn't want to have to really look at myself as an individual and what was really my, like my, my modest operandi, like what was my A to like A to B functionality. Um, and so I, I ghosted him, I picked up Eric and Eric gave me this like PC as a comfort and he talked about his addiction and his, his anger and frustration and sorrow in his addiction. And I saw where he was today. And so I knew it was possible. Um, and it was, uh, and it was a super cathartic and freeing experience. And I now have a relationship with God. Right. Um, I did all the sketchy stuff. I dated in my first year. I moved out of sober living in my first year. Uh, I worked like three jobs in my first year and I somehow stayed sober. And I think it was because <clears throat> the man <clears throat> who introduced me to the rooms helped me and really put, put out there that the program isn't about making it to meetings. Okay. It's not about not just picking up. It's not about just fucking show up, sit in the seat and listen. All right. It's about building a relationship with God and being active in your own recovery and relieving the suffering of others, right. As often as possible. And when I went from A to B and I wasn't just going to meetings just to go, just to get my court card signed, right. Or just because my housemates dragged me out to a fucking house meeting. And I started going because I went there to find and hunt down the newcomer to talk to somebody who was also hurting and suffering, right. So that I could build a closer relationship with God through other people that the freedom was like, next to immediate i literally uh i felt that peace and ease and comfort that i talked about earlier like my mom wrapping me up again in the rooms of alcoholics anonymous um and heroin anonymous um and i got it through working the steps and it was undescribable um and i i hate the term god it's really, uh, it puts a bad taste in a lot of people's mouth when we walk around ranting about how great God is and how God is everything or God is nothing. If you were raised Catholic or whatever, you know, it might be about it and you can check it out because if you don't give yourself the opportunity, you know, who knows how long you actually have to live. Um, I like to tell the story. I told it last time I was here about a year ago um, and Ian was talking about, about the relief of the obsession he has a box of heroin and we have like oh man I confiscated like a fat gram and a half bag of meth and threw it in there and like it's a, it's a it's a good it's a goodie box but um about a year ago i was about to get a um, colonoscopy which is where they put a camera up your butt so they can see the inside of your colon right um, and they have to put you down into a twilight to get it and i knew for a fact that they were going to use benzos and fentanyl to do it right and I'm fucking stoked, all right? Inside, inside, I'm stoked. But at the same time, I'm simultaneously in a lot of fear because I'm afraid that this is gonna be it. I'm gonna go get this procedure done and then I'm gonna go on a fucking sick one, right? And I'm thinking like, this is nuts. This is nuts that I'm afraid to get a procedure that is necessary because I'm afraid of relapsing and hurting all my loved ones and losing the girlfriend and losing the car and losing the apartment and all this shit. And I go, and like, it's kind of weird, but like, I didn't even like really feel euphoria of the drugs or the effects, right? And what was even weirder is that after that, I did not think about it again for a month, you know, about that experience. And that is that relief of the obsession, right? And that is the, 
that is the freedom that has been granted to me. Now that might sound like a weird experience, but when you're having to confiscate a bag of heroin off a dude and like throw it away and like, you don't even obsess about it. Like it's, it's undescribable um, how freeing that experience is. Um, I had a, I had a few experiences with Alcoholics Anonymous in Colorado and those with a bunch of old timers. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, those dudes are great that they get 15, 20, 30 years sober. I think that's beautiful and amazing. But you have to, what I learned is like, I had to really plug in where I found it was important. And I found a lot of importance and desperation here in HA and in young people's meetings as well. Um, as Ian was talking about, when it's the commitment of service, right, to fellow people and spreading out, because he's not just in one spot, I'm not just in one spot, I get to see the suffering of all different types of people, you know, and I get to crack jokes with, with all kinds of people that I've never, I never thought I was going to have in my life. Right now, my, one of my closer friends is this this 60 year old woman from LA who's a nurse and we hang out and crack jokes all the time. And like, she's literally my best friend. She knows a lot, she knows a lot more about me and I wouldn't have these experiences without that. I wouldn't have what I have today without the program. Um, and as much as the, the program can give me the physical things, the peace and ease that I feel inside is what was the most freeing part. Um, because I built the majority of my personality out of fear and what I was afraid of. I was afraid of what you thought of me, I was afraid of what I thought about myself. I was afraid that I wasn't good enough. I was afraid that I was never going to be good enough. I was afraid that I'm not smart enough, that I'm not good looking enough, that I'm too fat and all, I had all these big insecurities. Um, and, and through working in the program and learning how to trust trust the program and trust God, I learned that my entire personality had been built out of fear and that I was constantly operating from a place of fear and not love. And in doing so, I would lash out to others. I was, uh, I was mean and rude. I was hurtful. I was violent at times. Um, my ex-girlfriend can attest to all this. I was not a good human being to be around and she constantly gave me chance after chance after chance and I was a monster. Um, and after working the steps and really evaluating my, myself and getting to my sixth step, right, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of characters and humbly I asked him to remove my shortcomings, right? I became a new person entirely. Um, when you first walk into like, a, like rehab or AA, like there's this like kind of shroud that sits over you and it's like hard to look up from the floor, you know? And, and I spent my whole life walking around like that. And I didn't really realize to look around and see how beautiful everything actually was and the experience that I was experiencing. Um, and the steps gave me the capability to do so. Um, and then as I moved further through the steps and I started working with others, I got to see a, a huge a huge thing happen in my life, which was get a sponsor, get a sponsor through the steps and have them get four months, you know, and, and that was probably the most beautiful and cathartic experience I'd ever had to watch, uh, to watch him grow and change. And this dude is a unicorn of an individual. Um, and to think that he and I would be giggling together, laying on our stomachs, reading the big book would, would, I would have never guessed, you know, um, right now I have a little brother, um, who's currently, 
uh, dealing with addiction and uh, he broke his foot drinking, doing stuff. And then he flipped his car a couple of times in Colorado. Um, and I think this is like the biggest lesson I've got recently. Um, and he is wrecking his car. He's drinking and driving. He's putting other people in, in, in dangerous positions. He's getting in fights at bars. He's getting kicked out of bars. He's acting violent towards friends and family. And I have to sit here and watch it. And I'm now understanding the suffering that I put my friends and family through. And um, it's funny because I want to shake them. And I want to say, dude, you got to fucking stop now because you're fucked, right? Because I have it. Uncle Mark has it. All these other people you have have this thing, right? And if you don't stop today, you're going to end up killing yourself or killing somebody else. And you're going to really regret it. And, uh, and I finally understand like the fear and suffering that I put my parents through and my loved ones through. And it's been, uh, probably the best experience I've had in a long time. Cause I'm, it's a big lesson that I needed to learn. Um, when it's a client or when it's a friend or somebody else, right. I can say like, Oh, then like, that's the way of the doubt. Like, this is how it happens. You know, like I'm not going to be attached to whether or not they, they live or it's now introduced itself to me in a different form rather than my experience. I get to watch my loved little brother experience it. And uh, I, I call Eric and I say, look, dude, he flipped his car. Should I sell it to him? Am I enabling my car? Am I enabling him? And he goes, I have to leave space for him to have his experience to have and watch him suffer while simultaneously making space for him to come to me when he needs help, when he needs love. And this is the hardest thing I've ever had to do because I want to jump down his throat and say, dude, you got to stop drinking because you're going to fucking right you gotta cut this shit out because it's not the right thing to do you know my dad's 68 years old like he's a fucking vietnam vet he's like walking around all hunchback i'm just like dude you're killing dad you're killing mom you're fucking about to kill me and then all of a sudden i get to step back and say like dude you've been here that was mom and dad for you that was my folks doing that to me that was my friends doing that to me um and i don't know if i like earned to watch him suffer like this or if i uh, you know, am I going to have to play any part of him, his sobriety, but it's just been one of the biggest lessons that I've gotten in most recent times. Um, now to like touch base, I'm moving next week to where I'm at today. Right. I'm moving next week from, uh, here in California to my old hometown in Hawaii. And I get to keep my job remotely and, um, all this like kind of like great stuff is happening. Right. But what I've been doing is Ian, mentioned earlier was following the next right indicated step and following in the flow of God and understanding where it is God needs me because I'm not forcing these things to happen into my life right what I'm doing is I'm opening up to God and I'm listening and deciding and deciphering what it is he needs me to do you know I need to go spend some time with family that's not doing so well right to spend time with loved ones that I didn't get the opportunity to do so because of my addiction right and maybe to relieve the suffering of others in there then that's what I have to do um I love my job. I love my work. I didn't ever think I was going to be a trusted individual where people gave me keys to a building that I get to go to every morning and open up and people are giving me their social security numbers and their credit cards and their phone numbers. And I didn't think I was going to have opportunities like that in my life. And uh, it's all because I opened up. Um, there is one that I really enjoy up here and that's the let live and let up. Or wait, no. Dang dang i can't find it but it basically has to do with like let live but and let god um you guys know that one what is it let go and let god okay let go and let 
God, I'm a fucking control freak and I need control in my life. And I'm the greatest critic of everybody else and what they're doing at all times. Um, and what I've really learned and gotten a lot of freedom from is learning how to stop judging stuff and to live in the moment. Um, and that is by letting go and understanding that all things is God doing work in my life. Maybe it's, maybe it's something that I haven't got to experience quite yet, but I'm going to experience here in the future, you know, and, and a good example of that would be something like, uh, you know, we, we, we've all had friends that like overdose and die and, and, uh, we've sold bags to friends that have overdosed and died. We've, you know, shot friends up or taught friends how to shoot up. And I was, I carried the a weight of that for a long time until I, I got to use that as a tool to help relieve the suffering of another person who was also having that experience and we got to work through it together and we got to talk about it together and we had met on common grounds of harming someone that we really cared about because of our addiction um now i'm not saying that my buddy joey died so that could happen what i'm saying is that there was a lesson built in there so that i could help relieve the suffering of someone else later on down the road um yeah i'm um, sorry i'm rambling a little bit it's been a while since i shared but like ian said i do have a working knowledge of the big book um if if anyone is interested in going through the steps or working with a sponsor i am moving next week but i would be willing to work with someone via zoom um and yeah with that i'm gonna end so thank you for letting me share <laughs>